Man, we've been talking about uh, we've been talking about serving. We've been talking about giving. Today we talk about obey. And here's why I'm stoked about that word obey is because I got I got to see and I got to baptize two people who did that this morning. When God knocks on the door of your heart. When God is saying something to you, God is saying, hey, fix this part of your life, let's do this together. Or God is saying, hey, that person over there that I put in your life, they need what I have to offer and I want to use you to get them there. If our yes is on the table, man, how much blessing do you miss when your yes is not on the table? But when your yes is on the table and you say, okay, I want to do that, or yes, I want to be able to let everyone know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I'm not ashamed, and I want Kent to be able to bring that big old trough, and I want us to use Byron Nelson water to fill that thing up, and I want to be able to tell people, I believe that Jesus Christ, that he was alive, and he was on this planet for roughly 33 years, and then he went and he followed through with something that he asked us to do himself. He did it himself, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Beautiful picture of it. But we're going to keep talking about connecting and investing because these are all of the things. We don't want you just to go to church. And we want you to be here. We want you to be all in. And if this isn't your church, I want you to be all in at your church. Like I, I'm loving it that you might come here today and, and that you might cheer on family members or whatever. Maybe you're a guest with us. I just want to say, hey, we're stoked on life that you're here. We love when we get first-time guests, but we don't want you just to be a spectator. Church is so easy to become a spectator in instead of a participant, a servant of. And we really, really want you to do that. I was stoked on life, just uh, had an injury that happened on Thursday night and not knowing what capacity I was gonna be in this morning to be able to do stuff, but to be able to put out to four or five of our guys who aren't regularly here at 6.30 on Sunday mornings and every one of them said, heck yes, I'll be there. Heck yes, I'll be there. Heck yes, I'll be there. But that's, that's the kind of dedication you're talking about. And then you've got these guys who are here week in and week out and doing all this stuff. That's what we talked about in the serving. But, but if it's not the setup, man, there's kids to love. There's parking lots to stand in and to welcome people. There's something for everyone here. And if God's been knocking on the door of your heart, obey it. Obey what he's calling you to do. We've got students. We've got some great students. I would say the greatest students uh, anywhere around. We've got those here. Clay listened to the Lord as a DBU student doing camp with us all those years. Clay listened and obeyed and said, hey, I want to step in and I want to serve here. But what Ryan did and what Lynn did today, huge step. And that's what we're going to talk about with this whole obey. So, um, and I'm on the wrong one. Imagine that. Got it. We're good. Found it. Not y'all, it was me. So we've talked about engaging, we've talked about serving, and we talked about giving. Here's lie number one that the enemy would love nothing more than for you to, to fall for it. Submission is an act of weakness. Submission is an act of weakness. And I would love to beg to differ. I would love to beg to differ. But if you grew up and maybe your, your dad was kind of the, the man's kind of man, like, like he, didn't want you to, he didn't want you to give up. He didn't want you to let up or let in. Like he wanted you to fight, fight, fight. Submission is an act of weakness. But the only problem with that is John the Baptist and Jesus that we're about to talk about. Okay? So here's truth number one. Without obedience in your life, you will never submit to God's call. Without obedience, without submitting to who God is, you will never submit to God's call. So kids, on your sheet, without obedience in your life, you will never say yes to God's plan. 
You will never say yes to God's plan unless you decide to obey. And if you're having a hard time obeying mom and dad at times, kiddos, no hands raised. You don't have to personally be a testimony here this morning. But it may be hard to then figure out how to follow God if you can't then obey and follow mom and dad's rules, okay? So submission is a tough word. It's a tough act, right? Uh, But it requires one to have less regard for myself and more regard for someone else. And probably that someone else is in a higher power position. So when I say I submit to God, that means that I come under his lordship. If he's going to be Lord, then that means he's boss. That means he's number one and I am not. So when I submit, that means I take a lesser role to say he's first, he's best, he's king, he's God, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, I am not. Does that make sense? So if you're here today and you've been playing God in your own life and you've been making your own decisions and you've been going your own way, then today you might need to obey God and come under submission to his will. If there are some things that you're doing in your life and you know that's not how God would want me to live my life, obey, come under submission. Look at Matthew chapter three. Matthew chapter three, beautiful story. Won't be able to hit all of the points today, but look at it, Matthew three, starting verse one. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Drop down to verse five. At that time, Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. So John is baptizing these people who are confessing their sins. Cool moment. Jesus hasn't shown up on this scene yet, right? But John is doing what he felt God had called him to do. And so they're being baptized while they are confessing their sin. Here's some points on that. God's call is the greatest purpose that you can pursue in your life. John the Baptist jumped in and he said, hey, I want, to, I want in on whatever God has for me. And God, had a, God took him on a special journey. God took him out in the wilderness. God did some cool stuff in him and then brought him in and then did a very public ministry. Here we are now seeing some of the benefits or some of the things coming from that. Passion always follows purpose. If you're passionate about about Christ, and you believe you've got great purpose in that, man, it's a beautiful thing to see a church member who jumps all in, and then, man, there's almost no stopping them. And sometimes it's like, get out of my way, I want to do ministry. Get out of my way, I, got th- I want to do this thing. But passion always follows purpose. So, man, when you follow God's purpose for your life and you get passionate about it, man, there are very little things that can stop that, that person uh, from doing what God wants them to do. If God called you, to, I used to say this to students all the time, if God called you to be a ditch digger, a well builder in Zimbabwe, Africa, you would have to step down to be the United States president. Like You'd have to step down because why? God's purpose and how he has given you, wired you, passioned you, what he's calling you to do. That's the best thing you could do in your life. And some of you are like, man, I could, I could really do a great job as president. You won't do a good job as president if God didn't set that in motion for you to be the president. You would fall into some of the other traps that others have. You would have to step down to be the president. Because what God calls you to is ultimately the best possible thing for your life. Lie number two today, humility is a sign of weakness. Humility. Man, don't you wish there was a little bit more humility in life? 
today? Don't you wish there was a little bit less of, uh, I deserve that, or, or I have my rights, or you fill in the blank. Like everybody, uh, they have their own opinions, and everybody's opinion is equally valid, or everybody has, this is my truth. Yeah. Is it? Like, like if it's not God's truth, then it's not truth at all. So I don't know, maybe you've come today and you formed your own truth. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not truth at all. Love you, mean it. Just here to be the bearer of good news. Because anytime we figure out that I'm not in charge, anytime I find out I'm not number one and God is, that's a great day, okay? Humility is a sign of weakness. <clears throat> if you believe that humility is a weakness, then where has your pride gotten you? On your best day, living your best life, running it your way, where has it gotten you? Because to me, the ones, the people that I see, at least in church life, the ones who I know live uh, in humility, like those people, and I just feel like they're knocking home runs. They're the ones who are willing to run to help others. They're the ones who are willing to stick out their neck to, to serve. Those are the ones. Where has maybe arrogance got you? If I'm not living in humility, then where has arrogance got you? And then the last one, can those two things, your arrogance or your pride or your ability to run things here, can those things get you into heaven someday? They cannot. On your best day, on your best behavior, on you obeying everything, kiddos, that mom and dad may say to you, those things are still not what gets you into heaven. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So here's what humility is. It's understanding your place. It's understanding that you're not tops. You're not number one. You're not king of the hill. Like, you're not that. And then you come underneath and you begin to live the life that says, I understand my role. Jesus is Lord. I am not. Jesus is Savior. I am not. I come underneath that. That's being humble. So truth number two, without humility in your life, adults, you will never exemplify Christ. You can't do it. Kiddos, yours would say being humble and obedient are great ways to show Jesus to others. The greatest things, kids, that you can do in this life is to show Jesus to others. Inviting them to church, great opportunity. Love that you would do that. We would gladly welcome them and teach them and have fun with them. But the greatest thing that you can do is to point them to Jesus. Matthew 3.11, back to the story. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. And you see this humility that's forming? And I am not fit to remove his sandals. And John the Baptist, he's got a great opportunity. He's got a great gig going, right? Lots of people are getting baptized. Here we are, boom, 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 repentance and all this kind of stuff. I'm not even able to remove his sandals. Then he goes on. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So he's saying, hey, what I've got, what I'm able to do, what God's called me to do until this point in time, until Jesus dies on the cross, I'm doing what God's called me to do. But when Jesus comes, it's a game changer. And it's a game changer in all of our lives. It really and truly is, and even he knew that. Obviously, John had purpose, but he realized that what he was called to wasn't greater than the one who called him. Sometimes we feel like the things that we are doing in our lives is more important than what God has called us to, and that's not the case. It really isn't. It's not the case. Story goes on, verse 13. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. Hold on, what? So John gets to baptize Jesus? 
Guys, I gotta be honest, like that would be probably for me, if I, if I was one character in all of scripture that I would get to be, to be able to have baptized Son of God, Son of Man, Messiah, Savior, to be able to baptize Jesus. Can we say that's a pretty cool gig? Anybody? Am I the only one? Two of us. Awesome. But he gets this opportunity, look at it, uh, to John to be baptized. But John tried to prevent him. Why? Humility. Man, he, he's not arrogant. He's realizing his place, right? And he says, I have the need to be baptized by you, yet you were coming to me. And you see that trade-off there? Do you see how he understands, okay, I've got this great opportunity for ministry. But man, I need what you've got. I need what you are going to bring to the table. I need that. You don't need what I have. But the beautiful thing is, is that Jesus had what John already had. Jesus was the reason John was doing what he was doing, right? And so here, did, did Jesus need to get baptized? We need to all answer this together. Did Jesus need to be baptized? Thank you. You're correct. What do they win? I don't know. Um, Jesus did not need to be baptized. Why? Because he was perfect. He was the spotless lamb, right? Like he did not need this, but Jesus did it. And it was a beautiful thing. Even Jesus in that act, like that was such a humble act for him to follow through with his own baptism. Look at Philippians 2.8. Here's, here's the, to me, what Paul says about it. I love it. It says this, verse 8, Philippians 2.8. And being found in human form, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So not just dying, right? But literally having his life, last breath taken from him on a cross. The worst form of corporal capital punishment that there was in that time. Jesus endured all of that for you and for me. Did Jesus have to die? Yes. Did he have to be baptized? Not necessarily. But he had to die. Why? Because there's a problem for all of us. Three-letter word, we all get tangled in it. Sin. Right smack in the middle of that, that word is the letter I. I, me, myself, and I get me in all kinds of trouble. Me being impatient led to me going to the ER on Thursday night. Me, I get myself in all kinds of circumstances and situations. Kids, you're probably going to have those days and moments and times where you get yourself into a situation. Any time that we miss the mark in what God has for us, it's sin. Sin are those things that we do that breaks God's heart or breaks God's laws. Impatience. Tried to climb up on a boat dock. Didn't quite get it. Fell. However many feet down. Hit the actual boat lift. Nine stitches, three and a half, four hours later in the ER with my lovely wife who's looking at me like, oh my word. She's awesome. She's the best ambulance driver. The most, like, she, she was really cool under pressure. I just, I'm so glad I married you, Left, But that whole process, like, we just look back over all of that and we just go, if I would have just waited one more minute and not been impatient, I wouldn't have nine stitches in my leg. She wouldn't have had to break speed to get to, to the ER. Like, there's just so many times, like in, the moment, in a moment, everything can change. In a moment, life can change. Life as you know it. And the cool thing is, bad thing is, as soon as we walk out of that ER or, or while we're there, 
the, the, the helicopter is landed, and, and we understand that somebody had to be care flighted there. So it's just God's way of putting everything in perspective, right? Okay, I'll take my nine stitches and try to learn this thing called patience. But what does God have to do in our lives to get us to learn those things so that we obey, so that we follow, so that we trust, so that we help others to do those same kinds of things? Just my story from three days ago. Didn't realize I was going to be part of a sermon today. Lie number three, doing what's right is all subjective these days. Teachers in the room, you're probably shaking your head because lots of students, man, for them, truth, like it's just doing what's right, like it's subjective. Like it's your opinion. That's not the case. What, what's right doesn't seem to be an answer on the test anymore. It really doesn't. Like it just seems like just do whatever you want. Do what makes you feel good. Wake up tomorrow and you can choose whatever you want to do with your life. Wake up tomorrow and you, you can follow the rules or you don't follow the rules. It's just not what God says today, guys. When truth is subjective and not absolute, doing what's right may not be a care of yours. But God, God wants it to be a care of ours, right? So truth number three, and we're almost done, without obedience in your life, doing what is right will never be an option. Doing what's right will never be an option. Kids, obedience is the first step in doing what is right and pleasing God. Kids, if you're in this room today, God wants you to follow what he has for you. And here's why. Because he knows what's best for you. He knows what's best. Here's the cool thing is, whatever grade you're in right now, God knows what you're going to be doing after high school. God knows who you're going to marry someday or if you're going to marry someday. God knows all of that stuff. So why would I not listen trust, follow, and obey him. It matters. It really, truly does. Look at verse 15. But Jesus answering said to him, allow it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. You see, if Jesus cares about fulfilling righteousness, we should too. So if Jesus thought it important to be baptized, should we? Should we? So if you're here today and you haven't done that yet, and if Jesus cared enough to be that example, then he's asking you to be the same kind of an example. He's asking you to, to take what, what Jesus has done on the inside and to do a public opportunity, a public sign of ministry, a public expression of what he's done inside, do it on the outside and allow people to come and to be a part of that. Bring people along for the ride. If Jesus cares about fulfilling righteousness, we should too. In a world where it doesn't matter if we do right or wrong, but God cares about us doing right or wrong, we're the, we may be the only ones who are doing what's right. We may be the only ones who are caring the most to do that. So it matters, right? It matters that we as the church, why? Because we said a few weeks back, we're plan A. There is no plan B. Like there's not another Jesus that's gonna come. Like it wasn't like, oh, God made a mistake and Jesus wasn't enough. No, Jesus was all. He was it. He was enough, so there's no plan B outside of us being the church, us doing what's right, us loving people, and obedience is part of that. Our submission to follow God's purpose helps this world know who to follow. When you live the kind of life that you live, and then you wake up on Sundays and you go to church, and when there's an opportunity for you to speak or to serve or to do something outside of here, man, all of that is going to point people to Jesus. They're going to be able to put two and two together and go, man, that person must really love God. Or that person must have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. And then you get to tell them, hey, Jesus Christ, he's the way, the truth, and the life. 
And the cool thing is that nobody gets to the Father except through him. Man, but if we live in a subjective world, then all religions get to go. Everybody. God, God isn't going to let people go down there. Yeah, he is. And that's what truth is. And our world hates truth these days. Why? Because it means that we've got to make a decision. It means we've got to change maybe how we live. So heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. If the world doesn't care, why should you? Like as you think through that, if the world doesn't care, then why should you and I? Why should we come on any Sunday morning? Why should Lynn fight through shoulder shoulder surgery to, to come in here and to be baptized? Like why do all of this stuff? If the world doesn't care, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what the world cares about. It matters what God's called you to. It matters the standard that you want to live for in your life. If you're a believer here today, then there's a new standard. And it was bought and paid for by Jesus dying on the cross for us. Let me read these last verses over you as we leave here today. After he was baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on him. And behold, a voice from the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. However long it was from that moment until Jesus said these words, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And that same God, the same Holy Spirit that descended on him in that moment of his baptism is the same God that was preparing everything for his death on the cross, was preparing everything for us now 2,000 plus years later to be his arms, his legs, his feet, his heart, to be all of those things, to be the church living on this planet today, to be able to love people, to get them to a place where they would say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I am not ashamed. So if you're here today, kids and adults alike, if you're here today and you would say, man, Kent, I've never done that baptism thing. I've never, I've never stepped foot into that kind of obedience for the Lord, but I want to do that. Maybe you're here today and you would say, hey, at some point in time I did, but man, there's been a lot of space, a lot of time, and a lot of sin between me and the Lord. And I just need to get that right. And I want to be able to tell people for sure that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And whatever it takes, we want to give you the opportunity to be able to live and do what is right and pleasing and holy and good. And those are the things that God calls us to. Those are the things. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? Great pleasure that, the God, that God had in that moment when Jesus was baptized. That same great pleasure, I believe, he would delight in you as you would take that step of obedience. Obedience is part of being a part of his church. It really truly is. If you're here today, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today and you would say, man, Ken, I have never been baptized. But I, would, I really want you to pray for me because I, I want to do that. I want to get my baptism on the right side of the cross or, or I, I want to get to that place where Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and then be baptized. If that's you today, no one in this room is looking, but you and me, if you've got your hand raised, would you just slip your hand up to say, I want to get baptized. I want to follow Jesus Christ. Anybody at all in the room? 
Man, it's a huge step, a huge opportunity. Let us be the church that'll come around you, that will help you, that will answer those tough questions and to point you always, always, always to what is right, to what is best. And that's whatever God has for you. So as you leave today, if you were to slip your hand up or maybe you uh, were afraid to do that, but you wanted to talk to somebody, Rosemary's back there, Chris Casey is back there at our decision station, and they would love nothing more than to help walk you through what that looks like. So Jesus, today, I pray that Lynn and her obedience, I pray that Ryan and his obedience today, Man, that that would speak volumes to others who were here today, that they'd be able to tell those stories to, to people at work, to people where they live. That they would be able to do all that they are called to do in the life that you've called them to live. And that they would put you on blast to all of those people to let them know how good you are. To let them know how incredibly loving, how incredibly good you are. We love you. We trust you, Jesus, with them. Help us to be the church to come around them. And for all of those who will follow, for all of those who have yet to be baptized, God, would you bring them here? Would you allow us to be the best church for them? Would you allow us to cheer them on, to give them places to serve and people to love on? We'll give you all the glory and all the honor. We love you. We trust you. And it's in your name that we pray it all, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen.